Hello, Sarah here. We're talking pet chat and I'm joined by Dr. Paul McCarthy. Now, Paul, tell us about this. You went a couple of weeks ago to a whale beaching. You had to assist. Yeah, that's right. So we got a call from National Parks and Wildlife to say that a a pygmy sperm whale calf had been uh, washed up on Dudley Beach um, and uh, Orca were in attendance at National Park so uh, I went out with them to do an assessment physically um, disappointingly the, the poor calf was only very young so okay. she was probably only one or two days old Oh wow! Um, and uh, the damage she'd received washing up onto the beach and the damage to her skin sadly had caused some perforations and some lacerations okay. uh, her eyes were completely closed um, though she was able to use her fluke and her, we- and her um, petrol fins she was quite weak yep. um, and disappointingly when neonates that young are washed up um, most of these guys stay with their mums for 12 months or more. And so the ability for these guys to be rehabilitated in a captive environment is, is very low. And there's also the social issues that if you're not raised in a pod with other, other whales and you try and release these guys, if they're too young, they just don't know how the world works. Okay. And often their survivability in the wild is very poor. So we did have to euthanise her. Um, and she went to the Tronga Zoo for post-mortem. Okay. Where, where yep. they found that fortunately um, there was no... She wasn't in a lot of pain, obviously, but uh, it looked like all of her organs were fine she was in in normal health but she hadn't eaten right and so it's probably with the with the heavy um seas we'd had recently and the and the bigger swells she'd been separated by her mother in rough seas um not been able to feed got too weak and then was obviously and washed up I was onto going to the say, beach how did she get separated from mum in the first place yeah so it's not sadly an, an uncommon thing but if calves don't feed from their mother very quickly they just don't have the strength in high seas to be able to stay with mum right um and so separations often beachings that we do get are neonates or, or young animals that have been separated from their mothers we do obviously see the older whales as well but generally they're often neonates that are brought onto the, the beaches because of the fact they're separated from their parents yeah sure so look how do whales go in terms of um separation like would mummy whale be hanging around like would she stay where she last saw her, her yeah calf, and it does or? depend on both the breed um so different sorry different species in that different species have different maternal um abilities um g- generally a mother if, if she's aware that her calf is well but but trapped will try and certainly hang around and, 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 and be in assistance. It depends how long the bond has been. So this calf was very young. Yep, okay. And so there probably wasn't much of a maternal bond there initially. And she also may have realised that had she been separated and not fed, um, the likelihood of her being a, a surviving calf is low anyway. Okay. So she probably didn't hang around very long. But, yeah, it is always a sad event. It is. Because what's yeah. the gestational period for, for whales? Oh, often years. Yes, so, yeah, so, so it's quite, long. quite long. So generally yeah. 12 months to 18 months type wow. of thing. Um, wow. But, yeah, so it is quite a, a sad event when you see these things. But but hats off to national parks and orca who deal with these things on a regular basis. They're, they're very skilled and often in very emotive areas. So. so, Paul, when you turned up, did you have to do some research? before you arrived? I mean, it's not an animal that you would normally treat. <laughs> no, we don't see many of those uh. <laughs> in my back on a daily basis. So very fortunately, Larry Vogelnest, who's the head vet at Tronga Zoo, um, I, I was able to contact Larry and he sort of spoke me, th- talked me through things to look for when you do go to a whale. Okay. Um, and, and you know, what, what, what veins you can access if you do need to collect blood or give injections. Um, so I had a bit of a, a whale 101 um, yeah. on, online with him. He was exceptionally helpful. Um, and also he, he um, was able to talk to me about the post-mortem that had been done as well. So I was interested to find out 
as as, as everyone was, what, what had caused the, yeah, the cast to be washed up. So, yeah, really good experience. Uh, again, a, a sad um, outcome, but just amazing to be, be on the scene and, and, to, and to see a, a whale so close. Yeah, yeah, to be part of that, yeah. definitely. Look, that's got you thinking, because we always get calls on the show uh, from people asking uh, questions about wildlife they encounter exactly. and when they should and shouldn't intervene. So that's, that's something right. you thought you were going to discuss a little bit more about today. Yeah, exactly, because often you don't know. Um, and so particularly with birds, for example, birds are the most common things that we have brought into our vet practice. Um, and in lots of cases, for the right reason. These are birds who have been injured, unable to fly. Um, they've seen hit by a car. Um, and those birds obviously do need to see a veterinarian. But if, for example, these are young fledglings or, or, or chicks and they're not too separated from the nest, they may be on the ground but not too far from the nest, you can often make an artificial nest for those birds and the parents will feed the bird in that artificial nest. So often a bucket's a really easy thing. Okay. Just put some leaves and some things in the bucket. Try to handle the fledgling as little as possible. Sure. The more handling that we do puts the parents off feeding a fledgling but if you're able to sort of make a space and place it near where the nest was originally lots of, of birds will actually raise their, their young from that artificial nest. And they will be okay. Yeah and they'll be okay. So for example um, a couple of weeks ago I was at the Charlestown pool with the kids and there's a kiddie area there where you can go and, and play in the water and there was a little bird I don't know, it probably was a minor bird to be honest, it mm-hmm. sort of looked like a minor but it had obviously fallen out of the tree and mm. it was sort of um, hopping around. It didn't look overly injured but it obviously wasn't great because some magpies started to swoop sure. it so yeah. they sort of know when one's weak don't they? Well they're, they're species that are feeding on carrion and they're also feeding on other, other birds so if they can see a meal they, they will certainly yeah. try and make it one. So I didn't know what to do like I alerted the pool and said there's you know um, you've got a little little bird that's just sort of hopping around but what do you do in that sort of and I came back the next day and it was still there yeah so, so often what do the, you do then so good contacts in those circumstances are places like the Native Animal Trust they have volunteers who will often come out and collect birds. Um, there's also wires groups. Um, and if in doubt, certainly take it to a vet. Yeah. Um, and, and the vet can do an so assessment on So is that a time where you should take it away? Yeah. If, 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 if parents aren't around, if, if you can't see, generally you'll be, you'll be able to know if the parents are around because they'll be close. Right, because I okay. couldn't see its parents If, if you at can't all. see any parents around, then their birds certainly to have taken to their veterinarian and have, have them assessed. Disappointingly for birds that are introduced uh, pests like like the Indian miner, yep. um, they will not be legally allowed to be released again. Yeah. So, so they are yeah. euthanized yep. um, because they are an invasive species. Um, but generally, if you can get a, a fledging in, in a good condition um, where the parents have obviously been separated and not coming back, the, the, the volunteers at the, at the Trust and, and WISE do really good jobs in, in rehabilitating these birds. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit more about this later on, but we're also joined by Daniel Carrington. Hello, Daniel. How are you today? G'day. I'm fantastic. Thank you. We're joined by Sue Barker. Of course, Sue features on the station quite a lot from Dog Rescue Newcastle. Hi, Sue. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Danny. Look, we're always talking about responsible pet ownership here, and um, we we love puppies, of course, and so do many other people. But we want to be responsible, even when we're getting a pup or a dog, that we are committed as much as possible for the life of that pet. But um, you were telling me the other day when I caught up with you, there are uh, quite a lot of dogs uh, that need rescuing at the moment. So can you tell us uh, about the situation in the Newcastle Hunter Valley area? Well, Dog Rescue Newcastle's 
been established for 10 years. Um, and we're seeing, we're seeing more animals unwanted now than there ever have been in the past. And I know that other organisations are in a similar situation. There are a lot of rescue groups. They're all um, packed. They can't take any more animals. The RSPCA are full. The, the message just isn't getting out there to people to dissect. I mean, they're crossbreed dogs. They've got them in the backyard and they allow them to have a litter. That litter's, you know, up to 12 puppies and they randomly give those puppies to anyone who then in turn allow them to have puppies and, you know, don't get... And it's the same with cats, but we do dogs. And they don't get the animals to sex. We, it's, the message has just got out, got to get out there to just sex your pet. So it's it seems like... Um, I know on this show we talk about this so often over so many years, but you're saying the message isn't getting through. So w- what is happening? There is more and more dogs that needing rescue. Is that correct? Oh, totally, and totally puppies. I mean, at one stage three weeks ago, we had 50 puppies coming within um, a week's a week period. Yeah. Wow. 50 unwanted puppies. Mm. In a week. So how do week. you handle that? Well, we're lucky we've got good carers and we've got the resources to do that. But it's, it's, still, it's still these, you know, we don't guarantee that these dogs that have these puppies are not going to go out and have another litter in another nine months. So we're not really addressing the problem. Now, you're mentioning, like, desexing, desexing, desexing. You are letting me know that you can help with that as well. Oh, look, we do. And if we take a, you know, if we get a litter of puppies from, um, a, a, you know, a female dog, we will offer to actually dissex that animal free of charge. Mm-hmm. And I know that Hunter Animal Rescue are out there. They do assist, assist people with the cost of desexing. There are quite a few avenues. It's more, often I find it's just people that are lazy and haven't bothered to do anything about it. So, okay, so we've got uh, all these puppies that, uh, or dogs that need rescuing. So if someone does want to rescue a dog, what's the process? Who do they contact? Well, we all the rescue groups, we have ours on our website. It's a simple process to send in an application. We look at the application, um, goes through the proper questions, etc., and endeavour to find our animals the best times possible. Mm. All right. Well, I hope, um, yeah, someone who's who's listening might be interested to help the pets that are that are waiting to be rescued because there certainly is a lot out there. And let's keep on getting that desexing message across. Yes. Well, that's what we have to do. Keep okay. keep at it. <laughs> now, Sue. Obviously, we feature a dog of the week each week on Two and URFM, which we will keep on doing. And I believe that Dog Rescue Newcastle uh, will have an appearance this weekend at the Beaumont Street Carnival. Yes, we will. Yes. Beautiful. Well, we look we'll have forward some to of our volunteers there. Yes. Yeah, and hopefully the message can get out there as well with lots of people being out mm-hmm. and about. So good luck with it. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Bye. Sue Barker there from Dog Rescue Newcastle. It is just so sad when you can see that there's so many different avenues that people can take to actually desex their pets if if needed. Yeah, and uh, another sort of factor in this is that often people think it'd be really lovely for their children to see their dog get pregnant. And have puppies, mm. and it, we often hear this as you would probably too. Dave, yes. is that people come through and they say, "Oh, we'll just have one litter." I'd love for my kids to see puppies, um, and and that's a really lovely thought. Mm. But it could be watched on TV, <laughs> yeah. um, and and the benefit of that is that we don't have puppies unwanted. Um, that people often forget that the litter sizes can be very large, mm. and yes, you might have a next door neighbour who'd like to have one of your pups, but what do you do for the other twelve? Yeah. Um, and it's these circumstances that people often find themselves in that they've had their one litter, 
but their one litter has exceeded their ability to find homes for. What's the average size of a litter? Is that impossible? So very breed dependent. So, okay. so often smaller breed dogs have smaller litters. Um, Rottweilers can have up to 16 plus. So, can they really? so you can have very large litters in these guys. And, and often that's the fact I think people get caught in is that they, they often also have the thought that I'd like to have one litter so that I can have a dog from the dog that I've got currently to have when my other dog passes on. There seems to be this idea that it'll be a clone of the original, mm. and, and it never is. These no. are individual dogs with different personality types. And so that thinking is also a little bit abstract, is that if you're, if you're looking to try and replace the dog you've got, you're not going to do that by breeding more of the same dog. Yeah. Um, each individual is different. I, I get quite upset about these situations because we commonly get these guys who we talk about it at their vaccination so desexing at six months we'll you know get organized for that and often the client says oh i'd like to have one litter it'd be really nice to have one litter and i think that's where a lot of these these events happen is that then they're not breeders um things go wrong um and and the litter sizes exceed what they have the capacity to rehome it also comes to like when you say not breeders and uh, breeders um have a process of making sure that the puppy that they are selling Absolutely. for a certain amount of money goes yeah, to the yeah. right home and the and, right and people most breeders, Danny, and wanting that breed. have a waiting list. <laughs> That's right. That, so yes. they're actually breeding to meet their requirements yes. rather than puppies out there hoping to find homes for them. They've normally got more on their list hmm. than they can breed pups for. So what happens is, is this litter, as you say, is born and then there's, oh, who do we give them to? Mm. Oh, we thought we might have six, but we've got ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, it's like, here, take it, take it, take it. Yep. Just to get rid of it because yep. it's getting too much. Gumtree like, is full of these events. Mm. Oh, that, I hate yeah. that when yeah. I see those. It's, it's terribly ads. sad. Yeah. yeah, it's really yeah. distressing. So some people are maybe even forced or family members are forced to take a yeah, puppy. Yeah, they feel guilty yeah. or obliged. And then come six months time it's like we can't you know we didn't want this dog That's we right. can't look after this dog so yeah. and, they, and they have these dogs for you know 10 12 16 18 years mm. it's, it's a it's a real dedication to be a pet owner and i think it it's is. not something that you do as a favor to a friend because they had litter and couldn't find homes for their pups because it, it's an investment both mm. in time and finances yeah. um these are decisions that you make because you've planned your puppy you've planned your lifestyle you get a dog to suit your needs um so you're, you might have a fairly sedentary computer game lifestyle and your next one neighbor has a border collie i've got i've got puppies would you like one um that's not a match no uh, no um, that's not gonna work yeah yeah get a pug um so it's, it's those are the things where you're really looking for you, you should be very careful when you take on even um a, a, doing a favor for a friend is that that favor is a long time well, it's favor. like a quarter of a life Correct. long you yes. know time yeah. shed i was thinking of gizzy and i when we met way back in our days at dubbo like we've lived in <laughs> we've lived in 13 different homes together yeah, yeah. you know These like five members. different places yeah. so yeah you've really got to think about that denny obviously you're a professional breeder yeah. How many litters have have your dogs had? Do you know off the top of your head? Oh, look, as as Paul says, um, we have a waiting list. And currently anyone who's asking me, like, oh, do you have a puppy? I'm saying, well, you're going to be looking at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. Yeah, and that's right. to do with a waiting list, but also with the fact of... Um, 
uh, we can't just breed, breed, breed every time a female comes into season. I was going to say, like, yeah. is there a certain amount of time you wait after they've, given, they've had a litter? That's or? right, there is. So, yeah, we have to give at least a year's break to even a year and a half break. Oh, really? Yeah, so th- there's a whole process to it. But um, And the other thing is, which means you have to carry X number of females all the time and have them because you're so not how breeding... how many females do you... Oh, currently at the moment we have five. Five, okay. Yeah, five. Yep. So and how many litters heaps. would happen a year out of the five? Um, we're looking maybe two to three. Yeah, two right. to three litters. Yeah, it's a huge right. commitment, isn't it? Like all it these is. things that you don't normally. And think you can about. have puppies as as Paul said. You know, you could have five, six, seven, but you could also have ten, eleven, twelve. Um, so yeah, and there is always that waiting list. Now we also have a thorough checking process and who gets the dogs. Sure. But then, say a situation in a family changes. Changes, and for whatever reason, they just can't keep that dog, whether it's one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old, um, they come back to us. Oh, do or they? we help find a home for them. Oh, that's great. For someone else who wants a wine runner. Yep. So there are all sorts of systems in place to make sure our dogs go to where we want the them to go homes. and their appropriate home. Um, and, um, and then with purebred clubs, there's also... Um, the clubs can help in that arrangement too. Yeah, that's right. So the Weimaraner Club of New South Wales has a rescue officer. Okay. And, you know, if, if I as a breeder can't find a home for that puppy, then we go, go to the Weimaraner Club and say, have you got someone who's interested so in a Weimaraner? So there's all these checks in there's place. There's all these it's checks in place. It's very thought out. And yeah. It sounds like harder than getting your kid into daycare getting <laughs> the Weimaraner from you. <laughs> well, actually in Germany, Weimaraners are still, you can't just get one. You have to be invited to own a Weimaraner. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you have to, and you have to actually meet very high um, criteria, one of which you you have to go out hunting with your Weimaraner. Yeah. Really? Yes, that's right, because that's what I was bred to do. It's like it's not fair if you don't do that to your dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That yeah. is so amazing. Yes, there you go. Oh, you learn something new every day. <laughs> We're talking pet chat, 49216216. Let's go to Lou in Maitland Vale. You've got a comment about unwanted pets? Yeah, um... I've been uh, sort of upset about this for quite a long while, and I believe that the easiest way over time is to make it that you are not to... No-one's allowed to sell a, a non-desexed animal to anyone else, and no-one's allowed to breed them except a licensed breeder. So you get a situation that your licensed breeder can sell to another licensed breeder without desexing, but they can't sell to anybody else. So over a period of time, which will take a while, then you're not going to have any desexed dogs out there who shouldn't be. Undesexed. Yeah. yeah. What's your thoughts on that, Paul? Yeah, look, it, it's a really good proposal. The, the, the main problem with that is that most families like to take on a puppy. And so most dogs aren't being desexed till they're around that six-month mark. And so if you're having to have them desex before you release them to, to a new, new owners, they're missing on that bonding situation oh. of being um, too young. You certainly can desex young animals, and the RSPCA obviously do this in their rescue centres. They, they desex um, animals at a very yeah, young well, age. Yeah, well, we had a, a Westie breeder. We got a Westie. And we had to sign a document. Now, I don't know how legal it is, but we had to send proof of desexing yes. to them. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and that's generally because so, you've been told that at six months they need to be de-sexed. And, and yeah. that's a way of, so, of, of so lines that, being protected. So that'd be a way of controlling it, just like licensing dogs. That's I guess it's hard to police. It. Yeah, the, the problem is, is policing that one. It's a great idea, uh, but policing it would be another what, story, I guess. What I, what I find with these kind of situations, there's, there's good ideas and certain things have already been implemented by governments for breeders and so forth. But the people who want to go behind... Yeah, uh, you know, behind all that yep. kind of uh, those kind of rules, we'll still find a way to go around it. But and I, unfortunately, but I makes think it. That, yes, go yeah, on. My, my my opinion is that it's harder after the event than before the event. Mm. What we've got now is nearly impossible to solve. While yeah. that other way would maybe do seventy percent or eighty percent. So. I mean, it's better than what we got at the moment. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, it's a really good good okay. suggestion. Thank you so much for calling the show. Right we appreciate Bye. it. Bye. Yep. And it is distressing when you hear that Dog Rescue Newcastle have received 50, 50 dog, uh, yeah. puppies in a week. In a week, it's a lot. Paul, talking about what we do when we find wildlife at home, um, one that I see a lot of is people finding snakes. Yes. And thinking they can handle it on their own. Yeah, and the answer is don't. <laughs> so, so there are local snake handlers who will come out and take those snakes for you, um, but always make sure your safety is paramount. In that you can't hurt, you can't help the animal if you if you're hurt yourself. So please don't take snakes on in your yard. Um, even some of the the more aggressive um, water dragons don't take those guys on either. They they can bite. Um, and so be careful of those. Um, blue tongues are generally fairly docile and, and you can pick those up pretty well. And lots of people bring in blue tongues that have a limb missing. Um, They'll grow back. Well, they don't grow <laughs> They won't grow back, but they don't need them. So don't panic about those guys. So we see lots of very happy, healthy blue so tongues they, So they're in. not more of a target if they've only got three No, they're, legs they're and... generally fairly rudimentary anyway. They, these guys are using their body as a, as, a, as a directional tool a lot of the time. So um, unless that one looks very thin, then bring them in. But if you've got a nice big chunky blue tongue and it's only got three legs, it's doing fine. Their tails grow back, don't they? Uh, so some lizards do. <laughs> <laughs> we had um, a python come from the reserve into our yard a couple of years ago now. Oh. Had to call the snake handler because it's quite big. Yeah, It right. was around two and a half metres. Yeah, yeah. I, I always advise people to ha- let professionals deal with the snakes. Mm, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Even me being in the pet industry, I wasn't going to touch it. <laughs> Fair enough. We, we were at um, Nelson Bay at my parents' house a couple of weeks ago and my two-year-old daughter came running in hysterical, screaming, out dinosaur and um, like she was really upset dinosaur dinosaur and she's pointing we've gone out and there's a big goanna there oh, <laughs> yeah so it was hilarious so we obviously just left the goanna you alone absolutely leave goannas and yeah, I didn't feed yeah. it any they eggs they have really strong talons so yeah. they'll scratch you a very nice laceration if you try and go with those guys without the right idea on how to handle mm. them what if you look them in the eye is that a threat because <laughs> I, like Max is like trying to get up in his grill and have a look and I'm like don't get too close, don't look him in the eye. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one with lizards. I certainly know that um, most mammalian species don't like to be eyeballed. It, it is a contentious thing. Mm. And even, you know, human relationships. If you stared at a stranger in the eye all the time, that would freak them out as well. <laughs> it would, so, wouldn't it? so the advice is generally not to do that with mammals. I, I will have to say I have no idea about but, it. But uh, as like we tell, tell our kids when you see a lizard, the way to communicate is pull your tongue in and out. 
Jenny. You <laughs> have to tell them that next Just time. Just do that. Can you that tell way me? you're imitating, you're mirroring oh, what's happening. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, no, we just stood and watched, but I was scared at any point he might get up and charge us because we were looking at him. I was like, just don't, yeah, just don't. Yeah, generally, fortunately, most of our wildlife will run from you rather than run towards mm. you. Mm. Okay, yeah. yeah. So any other animals that, uh, so that we, are cropping so, up at the yeah, moment? So um, brush-tailed possums. Mm. Now, be very careful of these guys. They, they can scratch, they can bite, particularly the males. Um, but we commonly see these guys because they will have ingested rat poison. Oh. So if you've got a... If you, if you can pick a possum up and it's not doing very much under the blanket, that animal is not well. Mm. So, so take it to Please, the yeah, please do vet. so. Um, brush-tailed possums are also quite territorial. So when you do go to your vet, please let the vet know where you bought the animal from because we try to return these animals when they're treated back to where they were from. Um, in okay. The, yeah, so they, they do have a territory and they will defend that territory. Um, and if the recovery period isn't too too long, you can return the possum to that site without it having too much of an issue. It's funny you mention them. They seem to be out and about a lot more at the moment. And I've Correct. spotted, yeah. sadly, over the weekend, I saw three on dead on the road, three different locations. Yeah, yeah, they're locations. all moving. Um, it's all part of the territorial challenges, the... The new possum babies are coming through and moving through their territories as well. So there's a lot of movement of possums at this time of year. Um, and it's just be very careful about those guys. Um, ringtails are very different. They're a very a, a much more docile animal to handle. Um, unfortunately, we don't see them quite as often because they are less uh, out and about. Okay. But just be very careful about those. But if you do see injured mammals, generally they need to be seen. So that goes for your possums, goes for the sugar gliders, it goes for all the little guys. And if you do need to handle a possum, is it yep. okay? Large, throwing a bag large, over yes, it. Yes, you can get a large blanket and, blanket and place into a box. Okay. Yeah. Wow, all these things to um, consider. And obviously you have to be mindful if you have uh, dogs and, and cats, if yep. you've got the wildlife around, mm. like the, the brush-tailed possums and yeah. other mammals. And the most important one is that we don't handle bats. So if you have an mm. ill bat a fruit bat, mm -hmm. that's important that you contact national parks or you contact WISE in that they can carry a lissa virus, which is a, a bit like a rabies-type virus. Right. And so we do not handle those with your hands. That, that must be done with gloves and ideally done by a professional again. So call someone for a fruit bat. Don't try and handle mm. those yourself. Some really good advice today. Uh, Dr Paul McCarthy, thank you for, for filling us in. And Daniel Carrington, thank you as well for your topic You're on welcome. The, the rescue dogs. And breeding in general. I found yeah, that very interesting. Mm. The best advice, leave it to the breeders. Absolutely. It's Pet Chat on 2 and you RFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>